This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Sooner Nation podcast coming at you. Matt Hofen along with Rich DeCray. Thank you for being a part of this. Um, not quite as packed of an episode. I mean, I don't know how that sounds. You may already turn us off as soon as I say that, but I don't want to mislead you, but we've got some recruiting updates, quite a few things we want to talk to you. Uh, Caleb Williams has had a pretty busy week since the last time we recorded. So we're going to talk to you about Caleb Williams, get you caught up on what, exactly what the hot dog gang is that he's putting together. Some basketball transfer news for the Oklahoma Sooners. And we've got Joey Helmer from uh, OU Insider, 24-7 Sports, coming in to do an interview with us. And then already, already, before we even hit the NFL draft, CLAM potential NFL draft bust. I know it's just as ridiculous as what it sounds, but we'll talk about it. Rich, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. You don't have the Rona yet, do you? No, not that I'm aware of. Well, that's good. You know, I, I, so you're I'm saying if you did have it, you would be asymptomatic. I don't know. Probably. What I am telling you, though, is I, I do not have any symptoms. I know that. So um, asymptomatic. Here's, here's what's crazy. Um, and this is about to go public on a podcast is I still have a mom that worries, um, largely because she lives like 2,000 miles away. And so she's always concerned and buys into what the news has said. She also which, works for the government. Which Exactly. Which then means that I get... All the text messages and all the phone calls. And so, Mom, if you're listening, I'm doing well. What do you think the odds are, chances, percentage that your yeah, mom's I'm actually gonna, listening? I'm going to put it at 0.1%. 0. 0. 0.1. Okay, at least it's not 0. 0.01. Yeah, 0. 0.1. All right, here we go. Basketball transfers. Jamal Bienemy out at the University of Oklahoma. He has hit the portal. And then we found out – I mean, we almost immediately found out why. It wasn't like the same day, but I'm pretty sure it was next day. Mo Gibson from North Texas coming in. And then Elijah Harkless, Cal State Northridge. Oklahoma gets two pretty good guys. I was high on Jamal Bienemy. He is one of my favorite guys. I, I thought, you know, he was, a, he, he, was, he was a youngster still, just a sophomore this last season. But he had found his spot. He was a role player. He knew he wasn't the star, but he was the glue. You know, if, if he needed a big game and it wasn't working for Brady Manick, it wasn't working for, you know, one of the other guys, the enemy could, could go off and, and give you 20 points. And, and he did that a couple of times for Oklahoma. And he's the guy that you kind of, especially with Kristen Doolittle leading, leaving the program uh, due to graduation this year, you kind of thought the future was bright for him with two years of eligibility. And so I was... I was shocked, and I know you and I talked off the air, clearly, um, the day it came out that the enemy was leaving, and you kind of had the same reaction, did you right. not? Yeah, a large portion of that was I felt as though Bienemy was a, a building block for the University of Oklahoma. I think it's a good description, building block. I like more, that. More than his ability to pick up some of the scoring slack, what I thought he was was a trusted player for Oklahoma who could be counted on to take care of the ball, who could be counted on to value each possession. You didn't see him turn the ball over a lot, but what did you see him do? You saw him shoulder the the dribbling burden, whether that was coming up the court or whether that was taking over as that point guard. Now, he's a bigger height-wise point guard than what we're used to seeing at the University of Oklahoma, but nonetheless... He fit that role extremely well for Oklahoma and then gave them a second option, which opened up the floor for them in ways that now without him being there, they, they, they're going to lose. Now, sorry, go ahead. I, no, I, I, I was going to jump into the transfers, so go ahead. Well, and I was going to say, well, because that's where I'm going. The Harkless kid is – you wrote about him at Heartland Sports. Mm-hmm. He's pretty good size as well for our right, guard. Right, But he's not going to play the point guard position. Well, he'll be uh, off ball, think, but I'm saying exactly. he, he maybe not the point guard, but he'll he'll be. I see Long Kruger using a three guard 
right. you know, system but, with these guys. But that's what I'm saying. That's the value that Bienemy brought to the the team. That's what he brought to the court was the ability. I've been trying to avoid saying this, but I'm just going to say it. He's a ball handler. Mm -hmm. And when you can get someone on the court who has that ability and does it at an exceptionally high level, you'll, you'll take them regardless of how tall they are. We've seen that transition begin to happen in the NBA. We're going to see that continue to happen in this upcoming draft as some of these six, 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 seven guys fit the mold of a point guard more than they do a forward at this point in time. And they're heading into the NBA. They're expected to be top draft picks because of that versatility. The enemy was one of those types of players. Granted, he's not six, seven or six, six, but he brought that versatility. That's what I loved about him. That's why I labeled him a building block, something that Oklahoma could use to continue to propel themselves forward, not only in the Big 12, but in the national picture. What Oklahoma was attempting to do, at least in my opinion, with these transfers was find players who could knock down outside shots. That's what severely has been lacking on this team. And really the only if if I said there was one player that you had to pick to take a three-pointer for Oklahoma, who would that be? Austin Reeves. He's my guy. Austin Reeves. And Brady Manick. I mean, Brady Manick's not bad mm-hmm. from three, but if but I— he's if, not a guard. Well, that's true, but I'm just saying you said one guy. You didn't say right, one guard. Right. So, But no, at this point, I think— it, Well, go back, and it wasn't a three-point shot, but go back to the, the last time we saw Oklahoma play against TCU, it was Austin Reeves who led that comeback mm-hmm. and— you know, hit the, the clutch shot uh, at the end. So he's my guy if, if I have, but you, you're talking about what, I mean, what you're saying is true as far as really that, that deadly guy, that sharpshooter from the outside and this Gibson kid from North Texas, he fits that mold. He averaged 14 and a half points per game this last season, 41% from the floor, but 39% from three point lane and three point range. He led the team both in attempts and made, uh, three-point shops. I, you look, I, I, I look at this, and and again, I, I was a Jamal Bienemy fan, but I look at what's going out, and I look at what's coming in, and Oklahoma upgraded. They upgraded in points per game. They, I mean, in total production, they upgraded. They upgraded in leadership. One of the things that you said, Jamal Bienemy was a building block, and I said he was a role player. Now you've got two guys that are coming into this program that were the stars. They, they, they were more than a building block. They were more than a role player. They were the stars of their teams. But here's the thing. It, on paper, when you look at production, this is good for the University of Oklahoma. This is good for Lon Kruger, except for one thing. And that is, barring a waiver from the NCAA, we're not going to see these guys next season. Right. So then you start thinking about not having the enemy on this team next season, and you begin to think, okay, how bad does this hurt this team for next season? Because now all of a sudden you got young kids who have to grow up. Absolutely. You do. I feel as though Oklahoma has to address an issue and where they're pulling in transfers who are not immediately eligible down the road, two years from now, they're going to have a pretty solid backcourt. I'm not the originator of that idea. I'll never be the originator of that idea, but you look at the pieces that are coming together, you look at the commitments that they've got, and all of a sudden, it looks pretty stacked. Mm-hmm. It looks concrete for the foreseeable future. I don't believe that this is a holdover year either in this upcoming season, but I do believe Oklahoma is trying to address an issue, which is having players who already are on the wing, but that can continuously stretch the floor by the very nature of them standing there. They don't need the ball in their hands, but by the by the very nature of them standing there, they begin to open up things in the lane. Because you've also got to remember, we're, we're going to lose Christian Doolittle, most likely. No, he's gone. He, we've lost him. Okay, he, I yeah. didn't know if they had made a ruling. No, yeah, they, the, the winter athletes aren't going to, just spring athletes are going to get mm-hmm. that. I, I don't think it's been made official, but I, that's the way it's leaning, that the winter right. athletes are not, now, if Kristen Doolittle's back next year, then I'm, I'm it changes the equation it, completely. Exactly, but, but Kristen Doolittle won't be back. And and here's where we're, I loved about Kristen Doolittle is he was a guy who could work in tight spaces. Mm-hmm. Where where did we see him make a living? It was right around the free throw line in the paint, though. He was a guy who could maneuver 
could find ways to slip around defenders and could make things happen once he received the pass. That's why I think Oklahoma is looking at stretching the floor. They've got a couple of lengthy, we've used this term rangy guys. They've got a couple of rangy freshmen who lack experience coming off a of red shirt seasons who are going to be available, but they're going to need space to work in They're They're both at that six, seven range right now, which is what Christian Doolittle was. So, Again, I, I view it as Oklahoma attempting to address a problem, which is to stretch out the floor in what's considered the best basketball conference in the country and a league that was highly defensive this past year. How do you combat that? You combat it with space. How do you create space? It's by putting shooters on the floor who, again, demand attention just by the very nature of them standing somewhere near the three-point line. That's what Oklahoma is attempting to do, like I said, at least in my opinion. The, let me ask you this, because we, we've got to move on. We, we want to talk uh, Oklahoma football recruiting, but I do want to ask you this while we're on the basketball topic. The way this season ended, the Sooners never we, – we, you know, we know for sure they were a tournament team. We didn't get to see them play in the Big 12 tournament. Was that good for Long Kruger or bad for Long Kruger that the season just – ended because I, the way I look at it, there's, there's no disappointment in losing in the big 12 tournament. There's no disappointment of a potential first round loss in the NCAA tournament. And I, I feel like from my perspective, it allows Lon Kruger to kind of enter next season on solid footing. Should they run into some problems trying to, cause you've got to replace Christian Doolittle and you look at Brady Manick, I love the kid, but super inconsistent. You look at Austin, you know, uh, Austin Reeves, he's a volume shooter. He's on or he's off, inconsistent. You got to find that con- Mr. Consistent in the next season. And I don't know that we can answer the question as to who that is right now. So the fact that there's really, you, you ended the season with the elation of that TCU come from behind win. Does that propel Lon Kruger into the offseason on a pretty good note? I don't know. I can't answer that question, and it's largely because this Oklahoma team, I thought, had a lot of potential in the postseason, but you've mentioned that come-from-behind win at TCU, a win that should have been hands down, not even a challenge. What team were we going to get? Was it going to be a cohesive unit that worked together and that ultimately showed us that they were worthy of that number three seed? that number three finish in the big 12, or were we going to get a team who struggles at TCU? I just don't know. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's bad. I, I if I had to go somewhere with it, Matt, I'm, I'm sticking right in the middle because you like the opportunity of the upsets. You like the opportunity of eyeballs being glued to a television when your team is playing for the recruiting aspect. But at the same time is you've hit the nail on the head. What happens when that upset loss comes? What happens, okay, maybe you get through the first round and you're paired up against another upset program that you're supposed to beat. That doesn't happen. What what does that do for your program? It's not good. So like I said, I'm stuck in the middle with that conversation. All right. I guess uh, to be determined is what we'll say because we'll, we'll actually we'll never really know the answer to that. Um, all right, we got to talk Oklahoma football recruiting. It has been a busy week for Caleb Williams. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, we've got Joey Helmer coming up here in just a few minutes. And one of the things we're certainly going to be talking to him about is Oklahoma football recruiting. But before we get to Joey, let's talk about it from our perspective. A pretty busy week for Caleb Williams. Now, let me ask you this, Rich, from this perspective. And we'll get into more detail if you need it. I don't know that you will, but... If you need more detail, we'll get into it. Well, we'll get into more detail anyway for our listeners. But is is Caleb Williams to Oklahoma becoming the biggest or the worst kept secret in college football recruiting right now? Is that what is that what we're getting down to? 
I, I feel like everybody, everybody knows he's going to Oklahoma now. I believe that's true, and it's largely because when you go to the recruiting websites, the, the experts who have some insider knowledge, who have communication with players as well as other sources across the nation, you look at the recruiting process, the images that have been posted, or you look at what players are retweeting, tweeting, and, and you begin to – Formulate a plan, you begin to read between the lines, so to speak, and a majority of the projections, I I believe 247 Sports has it at 90%. There's no reason for me to disagree with that. Everything that's been said, even when it comes to the Sports Illustrated blog, there's a lot of Oklahoma talk. In fact, there's a lot of Lincoln Riley talk coming from Caleb Williams. So I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there and say worst kept secret in high school football. All right. Or well, college football, however you college football recruiting. Um, and we're definitely going to get into some. It's interesting that you said tweeting and retweeting because we're gonna we're we're gonna get there with uh, Williams and his hot dog gang. Um, here's what um here's what Williams wrote this last week on his um on his blog for Sports Illustrated. He says me me and Coach talking about Lincoln Riley. Me and Coach Riley got on another call Sunday. We talked about the day and the pandemic and all that we're going through. We obviously also talked ball. He brought up a few clips and I wrote a few things down. And then this is where it gets really interesting. He says I actually sent some of those things to my offensive coordinator right. because as you know, Coach Riley is a great offensive mind. So why not implement the things that I've learned? Yeah, I, I read that myself. And then he goes on to say this. He says, we talked about uh, ball and a few route concepts. We just chopped it up. These colleges that I've been to, we always talk, we always ask the question of what can I get better at doing? On the most recent visit, Coach Riley told me to be more rooted in the pocket. Obviously, this year I was way more athletic than I had been in the past couple of years playing at Gonzaga. With that information from Coach Riley, especially him being who he is and what he's done in the past with his quarterbacks. I take that into account and I've been working on that. So if you're coach origin, if you're coach O down at LSU and you're reading this, you can't be happy with it. Right. Right. I mean, what you're basically what he's saying is as a college, as a college athlete and keep in mind, he is the number one quarterback prospect in the 2021 class number six overall nationwide according to 24 7 sports you're seeing what he's writing publicly on sports illustrated i mean he's not saying well yeah i'm taking coach o's advice and i'm implementing that into my offensive coordinator now he could he could very well go that route this this coming week but but one of the questions i'm going to ask joey is my theory that I've been sharing with you for a month now is that he's made his decision. He knows where he's going, but he's playing this out for the sake of this blog that he's writing for sports illustrated. It's never been down to five at best. It was down to two between Oklahoma and LSU. But the fact that you're hearing him say, I'm taking these plays that coach Riley has given me and I'm taking the coaching t- tips that coach Riley has given me. And I'm plugging that into where I am right now going into my senior year of high school that can't be anything other than an indicator. This kid's coming to the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, and like I said, I, I'm I'm on the side of that. There's no real reasoning. There's no other thought processes that are extremely prevalent as to why you would pull the Oklahoma card from this conversation and begin to look at some other university, more specifically LSU, as the top candidate. Right. Yeah. And and what we also know he, from his blog a couple of weeks ago is that he said, I've, I've got my top five down, which again, my, my official stance is it's top two. I've got my top five down. So I'm going to start talking to other athletes. I'm going to start recruiting guys and establishing relationships to come play with me. Now we talked about who he named in that, um, in that post and he's not going to get all of them. I think he named seven names. There's no way he gets all seven. He's going to have to adapt that plan and go go here or go there. But late Wednesday night, you within I'm mean, almost nearly simultaneously within a minute of each other, Mario Williams, Kristen Leary, and Caleb Williams all tweeted just the the emoji of a hot dog. You know that's that's why I came up with uh, Caleb Williams the and hot the, dog the hot dog gang. I mean he just they all tweet out just a hot dog emoji. Now I, I don't think. 
I don't think there's anything there to to decode here, okay? I don't think the hot dog means anything. I don't think there's some some message out there that we've got to try to figure out. What it does mean is that these guys are not only talking and communicating with one another, but whatever their inside joke is here, you know, they're they're bonding. And we know Caleb Williams, if, if there's someone who's more of a lock for this 2021 class to be the next guy to stand up and make his commitment, if there's someone more than Caleb Williams, it's Mario Williams. Mario Williams, four-star receiver out of Florida. Um, was he... Um, He's he's in the five nine five ten range. I mean he he's a lanky a lanky kid. But the point is, I'm making is Mario Williams is already linked to the University of Oklahoma. He's already there. Now the Kristen Leary, who's same same body type type as Mario Williams, four star recruit as well. These three are linked together. And again, it could have been nothing more than an inside joke. But I think what it does is it gives you this idea of who Caleb Williams is talking to and who he's working on building up. And it's not just going to be offensive uh, receivers. It's going to be linemen. It's going to be some guys on the defensive side of the ball. All, all I'm saying is this. This backs up the theory that we came up with after his visit in Norman where we talked about how Spencer Rattler put in Theo Weiss and he put in Hazelwood and Austin Sogner and he, he gathered these guys around him before he ever came to campus. And when they came, when they arrived, you had instant chemistry. And one of the talking points about this, this um, quarterback battle between Rattler and Tanner Mordecai is, is team chemistry. Spencer Rattler already has it because he, he worked with these guys before they ever, they ever came. And now you're starting to see this with Caleb Williams. When he lands, he's not going to land by himself. And again, if you're an Oklahoma fan, that's very, very good news. One thing if it doesn't point towards the trio pairing up and looking at a single destination, what it does at the very least convey is the type of relationship or the type of pool that Caleb Williams has with other recruits who are still lo looking across the country and surveying their options, whether they're, they're believed to be headed one direction or another Again, it speaks to that gravitational pull, in my opinion, that Caleb Williams has. One thing when it comes to Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler, one thing Spencer Rattler had going for him was that they were still allowed to practice at this point in time. Mm. When sevens and all of that went down and these state competitions of seven on seven were happening, guess who was able to team up? Well, right. Spencer Rattler and his entourage. That's not going to be the case for Caleb Williams, at least any time in the near future. It's not to say that it won't happen, but we can talk about this bond. We can talk about the chemistry. We can talk about the ability to predict what a player is going to do before they do it because of the familiarity that you have for Spencer Rattler, but we can't necessarily apply that to Caleb Williams at this point. As I've said, the only thing that we can 100% take away from what you've labeled as the hot dog gang is that there is some kind of a relationship there and there is some kind of pool. One of those guys will have a much, much heavier pool than the other two. I still believe that's Caleb Williams simply because of the position yeah. that he plays, but also the position that he's in when it comes to recruiting and the influence or the platform that places like sports illustrated have given him throughout the duration of not only the crisis, the health crisis that we're in, but also in this recruiting realm that these kids are currently living in and are subjected to. So where they land, I still believe that's Oklahoma. I've said that previously on this podcast, at least two of those guys that you've named. I've said that previously on this podcast. I'll continue to say it, but what's that entourage? What, what will it look like when Caleb Williams does arrive wherever he arrives at? That's the only yeah idea. you know in in uh, Mario Williams the receiver uh, again he's a virtual lock at this point in my opinion to come to the University of Oklahoma Caleb Williams not a lock but he's a heavy heavy favorite to come to the University of Oklahoma the Leary kid the, the, still out he, he's he's very much undecided Oklahoma is in on him they are recruiting him heavily but he's the one in that group of the hot dog gang that I don't really know yet where he's going to end up now. Another guy that Caleb Williams mentioned specifically 
on his blog post, and I, this is a hard name, okay? So bear with me. Uh, Emeka Egbuka. Uh, that's the best I'm going to do, right? I'm going to do it. Works. Get it. We'll just call him by his first name. Yeah, we're just going to give it one shot there. He actually went uh, Wednesday, 24-7 Sports updated their rankings, and he was boosted from a four-star to a five-star recruit. Caleb Williams is the number six recruit nationally across the board. Um, this kid, Agbuka, I uh, did it again. He is, uh, he's number seven. He's right behind Caleb Williams. Clearly you want to play with that type of kid. You see the, the talent that he has. Um, you see that, you know, you, you see his speed. I mean, he, he's a game maker. We, we've got, if you go to heartland-sports.com, we've got one clip up of him from Max Prips. The kid, he, he can play. So Caleb Williams, no doubt says, yeah, I want to play with him. The question with him is, does he want to play with Caleb Williams? And, and I, I, I don't think so. I think that's going to end up being the answer. Now, he's, he's still open as far as his recruiting. Hasn't made a commitment. Hasn't made really a lean. But I think he's going to stay on the West Coast. Uh, he's from Washington. And I think he's going to stay in state. I, I think this is a kid that's going to end up being a future Husky. But you never know. You, you, just, you just never know what's going to happen as far as players and when they're going to make that last-minute decision. So you've got that going, um, you know, Oklahoma could end up if they, these two guys do wind up teaming up together, Oklahoma could easily end up with the crown jewel of their 2021 class being a five-star quarterback and a five-star receiver. And again, that possibility has got to excite you as, as an OU fan. What I love, I just want to jump back really quickly here. When we look at this upgraded five-star wide receiver in a Mecca, one of the things you have to love is he, he doesn't appear to have any weaknesses in his game. If he stays home at Washington, that's fantastic, but would definitely love to have him on campus as an Oklahoma Sooner fan. You talk about CeeDee Lamb and the yards after catch off the charge. Charts? Sure, we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah, we'll run with that. I, I believe this is one recruit who could potentially match that. You talk about the body control of some of these players that we've seen in the past. This kid's got it as well. It's when you look at his game, there's not any glaring weaknesses and he could be a future first round NFL draft pick, regardless of which university he chooses to go to, but he has the makings of that future first round NFL draft pick. Again, you would love to have him on, on campus for sure. Yeah. So let's, let's do one more thing on the recruiting front. Um, Staying in the state of Oklahoma, this go around. Kendall Daniels, uh, the star from Beggs, Oklahoma, released his final 12. Texas A&M, Clemson, Alabama, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Oregon, Florida State, Baylor, Arkansas, Georgia, LSU. Not in any particular order. Honestly, just I was looking at the tweet and I read him there. Um, he's staying in the state, in my opinion. Now, you 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 had uh, you had some inside a little bit of inside track uh, with the uh, the kid from Choctaw that committed. Uh, I've got a little bit of inside information here with this kid. Jordan Mukes is from. I'm sorry. I, yeah, no, my, I'm just giving I mean, you the name yeah, so everybody knows um, what we're talking about. I was just trying to move along, but yeah, Jordan Mukes. Um, but uh, Kendall Daniels is staying in the state, and from what I've been told, it's a very similar situation to Jordan Mukes. The family, they're they're all Oklahoma fans. So if if OU's if OU's on the phone with you and they're giving you an offer and you're a fan of the team. One of the questions I'm going to ask Joey when we interview him is who's going to be the next guy to commit to the university of Oklahoma. My, my bet is Kendall Daniels. It's crazy. I just pulled up his draft draft profile. We're coming up on the NFL draft, not talking about that quite yet, but pulled up his recruiting profile. He fits that mold. One of the things that we've hinted at actually we've come out and blatantly said at this point in time is that Alex Grinch is looking for taller mm. defensive backs. I used the term rangy. You've used the term lengthy, lanky, whatever that might be. However you want to apply a label to these kids, there's definitely a mold. There's definitely a body type that Alex Grinch is looking for to fill out his secondary more specifically, a majority of these are going to end up at that safety position. I get that. But I'm looking at Kendall Daniels, 6'4", the class of 2021. And by rivals projections on the future cast that they have, it's 100% Oklahoma. 
There you go. See, you don't you don't even need me when you've got rivals, right? Um, here's so. what's cool or because four seven sports because you've got that um, you've got that that mindset out there with the Oklahoma fan base, and he, and I've I've noticed this uh, on social media a lot. Uh, by the way, you can follow us on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Uh, we also have a Facebook group, uh, but I've noticed this on social media um, that whenever you put out there something like Caleb Williams, something like Mario Williams, anything offensively, the, the, the response is get the defense some help, you know, t- tag Caleb Williams up with someone who can play defense, you know, so he doesn't have to stay on the field. So, uh, so much, um, the top two, the, the number one recruit in the state of Oklahoma is Ethan Downs, who was currently in Oklahoma commitment at the defensive end position. And Kendall Daniels is the number two ranked player in the state of Oklahoma. And then you've got Jordan Mukes. I mean, they they are going after defensive guys, and they're landing defensive guys. If Kendall Daniels does what we all expect him to do and commits to the University of Oklahoma, that means the Sooners got the number one and the number two players within the state of Oklahoma, and they're both on the defensive side of the ball. And they may actually get the number three and A.J. Green, who is also on the defensive side of the ball at, at cornerback. Yeah. Yeah, so so there you go. If you're if you're in the if you're in the hey but fix the defense phase of of recruiting uh, interest, there it is, right there. And and I'm with you. I I, I want to say I'm not dogging on you. I'm not belittling you. I'm with you. The defense does need help. I've I've I'm the guy who said from day one when Alex Grinch was hired is it's not going to help as much until you change over the personnel. You've got to get the 11 guys off the field and get 11 new guys on the field. I've been saying that since day one, and I took heat for saying it on day one. Are you yawning or are you making a face at what I'm saying? I'm not making a face at what you're saying. I am making a face. I'm not yawning. I I didn't know. I couldn't tell what you were doing. But the the point I'm making is, yes, get defensive guys, but... You got to keep the offense going. I mean, you can't neglect what Lincoln right. Riley's doing. Right, it's, it's it, it wasn't Lincoln Riley's job to recruit defensive players. It was Mike Stoops' job. It wasn't Lincoln. It's not Lincoln Riley's job to recruit defensive players. It's Alex Grinch's job. That's why he's making a lot of money. Let him do his job. But listen, if you if you're expecting Lincoln Riley to back off of high-profile offensive athletes, you're nuts because he's not going to do that. I love that you point that out, that that Lincoln Riley is not going to back off high-profile um, offensive, offensive guy, players. Yeah. And I know that this is, is coming up pretty shortly, and I don't want to spoil it, but you can take a peek at where these offers are going when the landscape shifts and Oklahoma is out on a player that they were previously in on. Just how quickly Lincoln Riley – can shift that tide to another player and completely consume right. the thoughts. I shouldn't say the thoughts, but the thoughts of those around or within the circle of that recruit to where we begin to see those percentages of these professionals, 247 sports, rivals, whoever else that may be, start to creep up in Oklahoma's favor. It's something you've got to love in a coach. It's something you've got to love in a recruiter. Because, again, it's not just Lincoln Riley recruiting these guys. No, absolutely. And speaking of 24-7 sports, we got Joey Helmer coming up. I'm excited to talk to him. Okay. Well, we're excited to bring in uh, the one, the only, Joey Helmer, Oklahoma 24-7 sports. Uh, Crazy times, Joey. You and I usually uh, run into each other at a baseball or softball game this time of year. But uh, it's been nothing but uh, covering – uh, I guess NBA horse. Yeah, this is bizarre, man. I mean, it's it's coming up with anything and everything. And unfortunately, Trey Young, I, I guess, yeah, tonight had he won the other night, he'd be he'd be going tonight in the uh, the horse competition. But uh, he didn't get that done against Phillips. And I was hoping he'd go farther in the two K tournament that he did. I thought he had a chance to win it too. Yeah, I really thought Trey Young was the favorite on the 2K tournament. And Chris Paul going out as well on the horse tournament. Um, bad bad break for Oklahoma basketball. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of people that uh, were probably tuned in in this state might not be tuned in for the rest of the tournament when uh, you're kind of hoping those two would win as an Oklahoma. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, let's talk about uh, the Sooners. Um, a lot of things starting to really crank up with recruiting, not having uh, spring football 
didn't seem to hurt Oklahoma as much as far as able to get out and make offers and really kind of generate some momentum. Who would you expect to be Oklahoma's next uh, member of this class of 2021? You know, it's really hard to tell given the uncertainty. And this is uh, something that's interesting. When you look at Oklahoma's recruiting, and I said this um, with someone else um, earlier today, that I'm not so sure it doesn't hurt recruiting as much, if not um, maybe more than uh, the team not even being able to practice given this weekend would be the spring game. And we've seen what Lincoln Riley has been able to do with the spring game and turning that basically into a, a second cookout um, to have that event in the summer. But, but uh, there's a lot of really good uh, positive smoke right now around Mario Williams. He's got quite a few uh, crystal balls, a four-star receiver from Plant City, Florida. And he's close with, uh, with Caleb Williams as well. And so – um, you know, you look and, man, what a package deal that would be if you were able to get both of those guys. Now, you know, and um, we, we were talking before we started recording about just trying to find anything to write about these days. And I wrote late last night, Caleb Williams, uh, Mario Williams with the hot dog tweets. You know, uh, there's a third guy in there from Florida, uh, uh, receiver. Um, can you look into that? I mean, Mario Williams seems to be almost a lock to land in Norman. The fact that he's – kind of doing that kind of goofy stuff with Caleb Williams is there is there something to that yeah you know I mean it, it, that's the, kind of the the name of recruiting these uh these days you you know you get one guy and and obviously neither of those guys are on board but you know you get one guy and he's good friends with this other guy and next thing you know you get package deals out of it it's all that that's as much of a, a recruiting thing now as it is uh, the relationships with the coaching staff because these kids are so connected through uh, social media and uh, Twitter and, and tweeting each other. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, you hope to get this one elite player that's really close with this other elite player, and um, hopefully that could be the case for Oklahoma um, as it has been in some of their uh, previous recruiting classes. Yeah, Christian Leary, the, uh, the other four-star wide receiver who was involved in the hot dog tweets, you know, that's, that's reminiscent of what Spencer Rattler did, is it not? Get a, get a, your, decide where you want to go and then get some top-notch talent around you? Absolutely. And great players want to play with great players, especially um, if you can get a quarterback the, the caliber of Spencer Rattler. You look at uh, all those guys that came in with him, Austin Stogner, Trajan Bridges, Theo Weiss. I mean, just great pass catchers that guys are going to see for several years here now that want to play with a quarterback that caliber. Yeah, so let's let's talk about Spencer Rattler since we kind of turned the page there. Oklahoma not having spring practice, and you had what was allegedly a quarterback competition. People uh, approached that with a lot of skepticism, but let's assume it was a, a real quarterback competition between Rattler and Tanner Mordecai. Not having a spring ball, does that benefit one over the other? It's an interesting discussion, and I think you can kind of look at it both ways. Uh, the people that maybe think it benefits Tanner Mordecai would be uh, those that uh, say he's been in the system a year longer. And this is another semester where Spencer Rattler now doesn't get to practice that extra time and maybe catch up. On the other hand, uh, you look, and I tend to believe it maybe favors uh, Spencer Rattler, uh, because I think maybe a long, drawn-out competition would have been uh, Mordecai's best case here. Now that's not the case. Now you're looking at uh, maybe a late summer. If the season starts on time, I know we'll get into that in a minute, but, uh, but you're looking for maybe a late summer and a, a fall camp type thing where uh, if Spencer Rattler already had any kind of edge, it'd be tough for Tanner Mordecai to overtake him. Yeah, and is it, you know, we talked about this uh, quite a bit on our podcast. It, it seems to me going into this thing, I mean, some people say you, you can't look anything into the Peach Bowl, but the fact that it was Spencer Rattler who came in in garbage time, you know, it, I look at this as Tanner Mordecai has more to prove than Rattler. It's almost like it's Rattler's position to lose and therefore not having spring hurt, uh, hurt Mordecai. And from my perspective, you, you, you know, I feel like you, you're saying that's accurate. I completely agree with that, 100%. I think that uh, we, you can look and we're so interested now, aren't we, that 
had Oklahoma got that first down to actually see if Tanner Mordecai was going to come into the game because uh, you have to take Lincoln Riley at face value that that's what was going to happen. In the same sentence, I believe that Rattler came in first there for a reason. And uh, you'd be hard-pressed to convince me otherwise. Uh, I do believe he uh, is the guy leading this race if I was to pick one of the two. So it'll be interesting to see, though. I was – uh, as everyone else, very much looking forward to how those two would perform this spring. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, other guys, you, know, you look at chemistry, we talked about Spencer Rattler and Theo Weiss and all those receivers that he came in with. There's already chemistry there, is there not, for those guys? Yeah, there's, there's built-in chemistry. We talked about the opening, and uh, those guys were close before even that event, but you could tell it was almost like the, they were already – on campus with Oklahoma at that point. And so that's something uh, when you talk about Oklahoma offensively here, well, people say, well, they, you know, Jalen Hurts, uh, it was out, outstanding last year, the year before uh, you had Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield before that. Well, where's Oklahoma going to be offensively? Well, they have quite a bit of chemistry built up already, even though uh, they're going to have a, a new quarterback. Yeah. And, and you know, Oklahoma, one thing that needs to be talked about is the offensive line is going to be much better from the beginning of the season this year. That was a group that came together last year. They played pretty well, but Lincoln Riley has talked about how he wanted better play there. So this is going to be an offense to me that I'm not going to have a ton of question marks around. You look in the backfield, they're loaded there too. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think, uh, Spencer Rattler, if he is a guy, he'll be fine, though. And same for Tanner Mordecai. You listen to the Sooner Nation podcast, uh, the online podcast for Heartland Sports. Heartland-sports.com is where you can find us. Our special guest right now, Joey Helmer, 24-7 Sports, particularly the Oklahoma Sooners version of 24-7 Sports, does an outstanding job covering Oklahoma. And we're talking football right now. And, Joey, I'm going to ask you a question that's kind of off script, but it's not going to be difficult, okay? So don't, don't, uh, don't panic on me. Um, NFL Draft next weekend. First player from Oklahoma off the board, C.D. Lamb or Kenneth Murray? I'm going to go C.D. Lamb. I just think you look and, man, there's some great receiver talent in this draft and especially early. Uh, but <laughs> you look and I, I think all the projections have him uh, very, very close to the top ten, uh, if not maybe in that top ten. Uh, I, I selfishly, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, as you know. I do not want him to go to Oakland or Denver. I think he'll be outstanding in either destination. Uh, but, yeah, you got uh, Ruggs right there, a couple of Alabama guys, Jerry Judy as well, and then C.D. Lamb. Those three are all going to be really high draft picks. And Kenneth Murray, I think, for sure, is going to go in the first round. Well, our friend Chris Plank, I know he definitely disagrees with you on the, on the, uh, the Raiders standpoint. He'd love to see – uh, both either one of those guys, if not both, in the silver and black. Football, I mean, this, the, with the COVID crisis, there's all kinds of rumors, all kinds of talk, all kinds of speculation. And really, at this point, I don't think you can call it anything other than speculation. But how do you see the 2020 season shaping now? What's the best case scenario and what's the most realistic scenario, in your opinion? I think everyone has their own opinion on this. We've seen that the, the wide uh, array of opinions. I was not surprised. Uh, I, I thought it was very serious based on um, some conversations that I had had with uh, people, me medical experts. Um, I, I expected there was a chance that a lot of stuff was going to get canceled. And I was trying to um, warn people of that possibility as unlikely as anything like that ever would have seemed. But um, obviously the right move. Uh, in, in saying that, I, I think – uh, there's certainly a chance that this season could start on time. Uh, we're, we're talking four and a half, uh, five months down the line here. And th that's a whole lot of time for uh, people in the medical industry to figure stuff out. And these are the smartest people in the world that can figure a lot of things out. So uh, we'll, we'll see. I think everything is on the table. You know, you could see a shortened season. I think it's more likely that you see a season in the spring uh, compared to a short season in the fall. And I, I certainly am hopeful, though, that things will start on time. And uh, we, we will know, I, I believe, 
uh, the outcome of what is maybe going to happen by June 1st. That's kind of the date in my mind that I think uh, they're going to kind of start to publicly announce things. Golf being back in June, though, is a good sign. Okay, so taking, taking a journalistic viewpoint out of it, just as a fan of college football, would you rather have football on time, kicking off the first weekend in September, with no fans in the stands, but able to watch it on television and interact that way, or would you prefer to have a spring season uh, where fans can – they would pick, in my opinion, they would pick football over, you know, March Madness. But which, would you, which way would you rather go with that? As a fan. have the fans in the stands. Have to have the fans in the stands, in my opinion. And that was something I, I guess I didn't address, that that's another possibility. You could have all the teams be tested and – uh, obviously, no fans in the stands this fall. Uh, it could start on time. It could be a couple weeks late. That's another possibility here. Uh, but I think uh, that, that this is college football in college athletics. And I think we have to separate it from professional athletics, mm -hmm. uh, that this is an entire uh, student experience. And you can play pro uh, sports without fans in the stands. I believe that. I think you could do that. College, you know, you're talking about um, students being on campus and going to class. They have to be able to go to class as well. So uh, this is a bigger thing than just talking about college football. To me, you can't, you can't say, hey, we're going to have you back on campus having class and not let you go to football games. And so uh, to me, playing in the spring makes uh, more sense if you're going to narrow those, narrow those two scenarios down. Well, Joey, you guys at 24-7 Sports, in my opinion, you're the best in the business when it comes to uh, recruiting and, and looking at where recruits are, are, are most likely going to land. I want to close out by talking about Caleb Williams because everyone has their attention on him. Um, but before we do that, hit us up. Show us where they can – where can people find your content? How can they follow you on Twitter and so forth? Sure. Uh, you can follow all of our stuff at OUinsider.com. We're going to have a, a special piece, I know, uh, Sooner fans um, are, are going to be watching glued to the TV with the uh, the 56 and the 61 varsity alumni game. And actually, before that, interestingly enough, I was set to uh, bring out a bunch of all-decades teams, and we're going to start uh, with the 50s, and we're going to do an all-decades team over the next week. So you can read all of that on our site, and then I'll be tweeting it out at my Twitter handle, at JoeyHumber247. All right, Joey, Caleb Williams, um, is it really down to five schools or is it not just two? Yeah, I think at this point you're looking at um, a few schools here. And Oklahoma has to feel very, very good with where they're at among those schools. If, even if there is a top two at this point, uh, you'd have to feel like Oklahoma. Uh, if, you're, if you're trusting our crystal ball, and you should, 90% uh, <laughs> of the predictions have him to Oklahoma. So, um, it, it, how, what does it say about Lincoln Riley, though, uh, that he loses Brock Vandegrift and, and immediately says, hey, I'm going to go get in on a guy that's not only another great quarterback, but higher ranked quarterback and a guy that is number six now in our latest mm -hmm. rankings uh, on Wednesday. But I, I think as the season goes, we go into the season, he could certainly will be a top five prospect. All right, so um, I, I've been saying, um, again, so you're the expert, so you can shoot me down or you can affirm me here. I, I've been saying it's down to LSU and Oklahoma. Oklahoma is the choice. Uh, I've been saying that since right, as, right around the time he released his top five, but my opinion is he's got to play this out because of the Sports Illustrated blog. Is that sound remotely accurate? I don't think you could be too far off there, you know, and I, I like uh, the two that you have in, in your top two. I feel, again, I'll re reiterate, um, based on our uh, experts and their predictions are, are really good. And uh, typically, we don't mess these things up. And um, so there, there's reason for Oklahoma fans maybe to be optimistic about this recruitment. And, man, again, the job that Lincoln Riley is doing, overall recruiting. Uh, we, we talk about defensively the uptick in prospects that uh, they're landing now. Um, obviously, tough news uh, with uh, a guy committing to Ohio State you would have liked to have. But uh, overall, really, really solid job since he's taken over. 
Okay, well, we talked about Mario Williams, uh, the, and Caleb Williams. Give me one more guy to, that Caleb Williams might get to, to come with him to Oklahoma. Who's one more guy Oklahoma fans should be looking at? Yeah, uh, it's tough. You, you're kind of looking, and, and I don't know if I can necessarily narrow or pinpoint uh, one guy that I'd like to zero in on right now and, and say, if you will. Right. But uh, suffice to say that they are uh, definitely <laughs> – Oklahoma is definitely working on a number of guys that uh, they can pull in. All right, Joey Helmer, OU Insider, 247sports.com. Joey, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Stay healthy, and uh, hopefully we'll see you out and about sometime soon. Hey, you stay healthy, too, and hopefully for everyone out there, um, they are uh, self-quarantining uh, and listening to the stay-at-home stuff because uh, I caution uh, to tell people that uh, th this really sucks. There's no doubt about it, but – if we want college football like we're used to having it, we, we got to stick to it, guys. We okay. really do. All right, Joey. Best of luck to you, man. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks for having me on. See you, brother. All right. Big thanks to Joey Helmer, OUinsider.com. Um, you know, I agree with Joey. I think CeeDee Lamb is the first guy taken off the board. Um, I think he is the top receiver in this class. And I don't – I think he goes to number 12. I think number 12 is as low as he goes. I, I do. I think the Raiders want him, and if he's sitting there at number twelve, the Raiders are taking him. There's a lot of jockeying for position, if you will, at this point in the draft, as it's it's considered extremely talented in the first round at the wide receiver position. There are several names that have been thrown out anywhere from nine to twelve is where the expectations for all three of those receivers is at this point in time. Needless to say, I, I'm in the same boat that you are. I think twelve. Is that number for CeeDee Lamb? I do agree with Joey as well that he's the first Oklahoma Sooner taken off the board. He may be the most talented receiver in this draft class, but I know that there are some people who disagree with that. Absolutely, and that's where we're going because there's bad takes, and then there's just terrible takes. And there's there's two out there already that say he's already pretty much a bust. Uh, this is an article posted on Yard Barker um, and – I, I don't care. Oh, sports not is where it originally uh, posted from. Um, so they, they have a, a, um, an, an article where they, it came from the athletic where they interviewed two scouts specifically about CD lamb. And one scout says, I don't think he's a superstar. Lamb kind of maximizes what he has. Okay. I don't even know what that means. Well, to I be mean, with you. exactly. Then that's where we're gonna, because I think you and I may have the same conclusion here. I mean, he maximizes what he has. Well, what guy, what superstar doesn't max what, maximize what he has? That is the definition of a superstar: a guy who takes all the potential, all the talent that he has, and he maximizes it, and it shows up on the field or the court. Okay. But then the second one, the second scout, and I'm using these air quotes. Actually, these were real scouts. Uh, the second scout says this, he's wildly overrated. I don't see an overwhelming trait. A lot of people, uh, a lot of people point to his run after the catch, but I think you have to evaluate the guys trying to tackle him. <laughs> you Texas. Um, sorry. I had something in my throat. Um, he's playing against some really bad big 12 defenses. You're just not going up against NFL people in that league. I'm just not a big believer in his skill set. His skill set transition. Thank you. you. Skill set transitioning. Okay, this is just straight hot garbage, is what this is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because okay, I'm I'm not going to go in here and defend the Big Twelve defenses. I, I think I think the Big Twelve is better defensively than the per perception out there, but I think the style of play offensively, we we can go into that. That that's a whole debate, right? But let's not act like there's not NFL talent in Big 12 defenses. And let's also not act like he played 13 games against the Big 12 this season. Last I checked, he didn't play 13 games against the Big 12. Last I checked, he played nine conference opponents, and then he played a 10th one or the second one twice in Baylor. And Baylor, what did everybody talk about Baylor? defense, Matt rule defense winning the day defense Baylor's, and takeaways. Yeah. yeah. Baylor's the Baylor's the they, Baylor was who they were the last undefeated big 12 team because of defense. 
And everyone, the whole story around Baylor nationally was defense. Matt Rule bringing defense to the Big 12. Now, granted, CeeDee Lamb did not play against Baylor in Waco, but he had a pretty good outing against them in Dallas in the Big 12 championship game. And look, you can go on and on and on about the non-conference opponents. He, he played against the SEC. He played against the Pac-12. Consistently, anytime CeeDee Lamb was on the field, he was the best player offensively for either team. So it comes down to this as one or two things. Either these scouts are horrible at their jobs or there's some smoke and mirrors going on. Which is exactly what I believe that it is. It's really a distraction. It's coach speak, as we like to call it. It's this ploy in order to devalue that player's stock so that you, as a team, may hopefully pick them up for what's considered a bargain price. I went in and I did pull those stats. C.D. Lamb averages 21.4 yards throughout the regular season, mm-hmm. okay? Now, when we get into— You mean per reception? Per reception, okay. yeah. When we get into the— postseason and we get into the college football playoff playing let's just look at lsu first okay because the previous year they played alabama looking at lsu knowing what they have in the secondary would you believe that number would go up or down well i know the answer to this i know it went up Mm -hmm. and it it didn't just creep up it went up pretty significantly we're looking at 28.9 yards per catch against LSU who by the way had one of the what many people considered one of the better secondaries right. in the country then we can even back got, up a little bit further for sure first rounders in that secondary we, we can even back up a little bit further against Alabama in, in 2019 now granted CD Lamb wasn't on the tear that he was on in 20 or excuse me the 2019 right. season tear that he we're, went on we're following you. wasn't yeah. the 2019 postseason the college football playoff It wasn't that type of a trajectory. So when I look at C.D. Lamb, I know that he had more catches against Alabama, but he he eclipsed 100 yards in that game. Yeah, but you also have to consider uh, when when you're looking at that and seeing that maybe it's a lower number as far as yards per catch and the number of catches is higher, you also have to look at who did not play in that game. Mm -hmm. And that you didn't have Hollywood Brown take – I mean, he was – C.D. Lamb became the focal point in that game for the Alabama defense because Marquise Brown wasn't on the field. But here's, here's all I'm saying is we can look at those numbers and they can mean a pile of beans to one person and mean the world to someone else. But if we were going to use that logic, why would Kyler Murray go number one overall? He, but, he played against these non NFL caliber defenses, mm-hmm. right? Well, yes, that's and, and Baker Mayfield the year before. That, that, that's, that's a very, that's very the valid point. Point that yeah. I'm getting at is you can't value or give an evaluation of yeah. one player who plays for the exact same team with the exact same players and not give that evaluation to another player one year later who also played with the player previously that you labeled as as a potential top three who ended up going number one, Kyler Murray draft pick. Yeah, that totally seals the the argument there from that perspective. But here's how this works, and this is basically what you were saying. I've got the number 12 pick. You've got the number 11 pick. Yes. I want C.D. <laughs> Lamb. Okay, I want right. it. Right. You may be wanting, and this actually works out a little bit better if you're going towards the, let, let's say I've got the 31st pick, and then you've got the first pick of the second round, Okay. So there's one pick in between us. That, that this this goes a little better with that with that um, with this perspective here. But I want Ceedee Lamb, and you want Ceedee Lamb. I'm picking number 31. You think you can get him with your first round pick in the NFL draft, right? Right. So what I'm gonna do is I'm picking after. Sorry, I'm picking. I'm just blowing this whole thing. I'm picking after you. Okay, you've got the you've got 31. I've got number one in the second round. Let's let's just reset this whole argument. Okay. You've got pick number 31. I've got first pick of the second round, all right? You want CeeDee Lamb. I want CeeDee Lamb. You think you can get him in the second round. I want him. I don't want you to take him. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, the dude's trash. We don't want him. We, we saw it with Baker Mayfield. We saw it with Kyler Murray. I, everybody below jockeying. Oh, we, we, we're not going to take him. We're not, we're not going to. The Dolphins even did it. Miami Dolphins did it 
Last year, they brought in Josh Rosen. And now everyone thinks, are well, they going to take Jordan Love? Are they going to take two attack of or Who are they going to take? We're seeing this. This is this is just this is just talk. That's all this is. There's there's zero there's zero chance that an NFL scout, a guy who's paid money to notice NFL talent, there's zero chance he said this legitimately believing it, because we've been saying since spring ball last year, Ceedee Lamb is the most NFL ready player in the entire Big Twelve. So I, I downplay him. I'm hoping you pass up on him because, oh, Team Matt says they don't want him. They think he's garbage. So we'll get him in the next round. And then you pass him, boom, I've got him. I've got the guy I want. Right. That's how that works. It's crazy to me because you, you've you given two quotes, 32 teams in the NFL. It, it would If these two were right, it would mean 30 were wrong. I just don't see those odds playing out. But again, it's happened. Not saying that it will happen with C.D. Lamb. I think of the biggest bust in the NFL history is none other than Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, see, I'm going to disagree. And, and yeah, it's, it's a crazy. generational thing. You are crazy. Because look, I, I wish I could remember his name. Well, we're going to come back on the next episode. We're going to do our top five because I, I can look this guy up. I, the, he was Mandrick, Tony Mandrick was like this giant offensive lineman. The Green Bay Packers drafted him. Was supposed to, I mean, he was roided out to the max and he was a bust. Just terrible. Ryan Leaf, terrible bust. <laughs> I, I, I could go on and on. It, it's all about, it's all about perspective. Um, but, but there are, I, some people are gonna say Josh Rosen. Again, not a, not the number one overall pick, but Josh Rosen potential as a. Yeah, and I think I'm, 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 am I the only one? And he one plays for my Dolphins. A, am I the only one who's thrown out a number one pick? Or did yeah. you have one on your list? Right? You've given I, two I think, names. I think Mandrick, I have to look him up. I'm going to have to go back. I think he was the number one pick. I, I, I'm pretty sure he was, but I got to go back. I got to go back to the nineties. Okay. When you were, when you're riding your tricycle and, and eating your, your power pop or whatever <laughs> it was back in the day. I was on a two wheeler by that point. <laughs> hey, that's going to wrap it up for us. Thanks a lot for being a part of the, uh, the podcast. Stay home, stay healthy, uh, stay safe. And hopefully soon they let us start going back outside again. Uh, Until then, Boomer Sooner, everybody.